Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that sees two movies with something in common go head-to-head to see which one does it better on this episode in the red corner. Guns and drugs on the streets of LA. Thank goodness Robert Downey Jr. put all that behind him so he could make this. From 2005, it's Shane Black's directorial debut. Kiss Kiss, Bang Bang. Harry was a small-time crook. Oh, boy. Till he opened the door. Oh, no, no, we're not ready for your audition. Just take him, he's ready. You ready, right? To a really big break. But he'll need a real cop. Detective lessons tomorrow for your acting. Oh, you're the uh, consultant. If he wants to act the part. What do you do? I'm a private detective. My sister was murdered. Are you going to help me? While in the blue corner, it's the 1970s, and L.A. is full of smog and porn. Or porn and smog. Or, as the inhabitants knew it, pog or smorn. That's the backdrop for Shane Black's third outing as director from 2016. It's the nice guys. You're a private investigator? My profession is very complicated, okay? It's nuanced. The mob is trying to spread its operation to Los Angeles. Somehow, my daughter Amelia is involved. Please, find her. She's in danger, man. We have to do something about it. She's dead. She's not dead. She's dead! She's not dead! So what connects these two movies and which one does it better? Let's find out. It's Clash of the Titles. Release the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Alex Zane. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And big news, it's my week. It's my week. Yeah, I picked these movies. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Versus the nice guys. So do we have any idea what the connection could be? It's uh, lavish parties in the Hollywood Hills featuring contortionists. Good. I had that, but it's not the one. Okay. Uh, we hate pedos. <laughs> um, you're finished in this town. <laughs> well, now I'm just disappointed it's not we hate pedos. That is, that is, we could do a week on we hate pedos, though. <laughs> there are some cracking films. As in actors who've been uh, 
become paedophiles over time or movies about paedophiles? <laughs> movies about them. Right, right. Talking Hard through. candy and little children. <laughs> Straight in there. Um, <laughs> okay, good. Uh, both featured mismatched duos. Both barely feature a villain. Both feature a damaged left appendage. Both feature Downey Jr. Both feature Kilmers. Both loosely based on books by Brett Halliday. Both feature solid spit takes. Both feature men doing high-pitched screams. Both feature boobs but not balls. <laughs> and both feature parties in the Holiday Hills with contortionists. The Holiday Hills. Yeah. The Holiday Hills. <laughs> the Hollywood Hills. That's where you used to go as a kid, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's the hotel at the bottom, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's the connector you were going for, but I noticed a few, shall we say. Yeah. All right, so I have one that's the same as yours. Uh, the case has not gone as planned if you've injured your hand. <laughs> that's good. You made it rhyme. Uh, but the one I'm actually going for is back in Shane Black. That's all I'm going to play of that because they are notoriously a litigious band. Uh, so playing with fire, uh, which is actually another ACDC song. It's not. It's not. Uh, OK, so the reason I picked these this week, because obviously Bad Boys for Life is out this weekend. And I was going to do Bad Boys versus Bad Boys 2. And then I just thought, look, if we're doing buddy cop movies or buddy movies, why not go to the master of the genre, Shane Black? And I decided to pick movies he's written and directed as opposed to just written Although I did toy with doing The Last Boy Scout, but I didn't. I think we're going to do it later. Love that movie. But no, this week, back to this week, Nice Guys versus Kiss Kiss. Bang, bang. Uh, before uh, we get into them, what did you make of these as choices, guys? I liked it, uh, I've, but oh, I only watched them like two days ago and I'm finding it really difficult to tell them apart. Yes. And I've just become a bit nervous. I agree. Because of those similarities, yeah. there is a lot of crossover and you feel like almost the performances could be crossed over yeah. as well as the plots. And I listened to an interview with Shane Black and he said that, or he agreed with the statement that they were spiritually, spiritually hmm? related. Yeah, I saw an interview, I think it was uh, on the red carpet. There was, I felt tricked because there was, uh, you know how they, they do clickbait mm. and the caption on the YouTube video was... Uh, uh, Shane Black reveals the connection between Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and the Nice Guys. I'm like, going to look at that. That's going to be my connection. Just borrow it for yeah. the show. Mm. Turns out the connection is, yeah, they're sort of spiritually related. Not a connection. Just no. No. just a fact. You're the connection, Shane. Right. Uh, I enjoyed them both, but I won't say which one more until the end of the or show. Or doing a Vicky, no, as it's called. I, I won't either. <laughs> right, that's nice. Only because I don't know. <laughs> so we do the movies chronologically. Uh, Vicky, I gave you Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So start us off. From Shane Black, the creator of Lethal Weapon. Do not play detective. Moron. Go home before the bad guys do something bad to you. Two corpses in three hours. I mean, that's unusual, right? Yes. Comes a mystery. It's a frame up. First things first. Do you have the corpse? I, I, I got rid of it. You threw it away. Yeah. Look up idiot in the dictionary. You know what you'll find? A picture of me? No. The definition of the word idiot. That starts with a kiss. Why'd you lie to me? It was an excuse to stay around you, so I mean, I think... Ow! Did I just cut off your finger? Yeah. It's on the floor. Pick it up. Pick it up. And ends with a bang. Where is the girl? I watched Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, which doesn't so much as break the fourth wall as pound it to dust, then reassemble it into a custom-made trope breaker to jackhammer the shit out of any remaining unreliable narration. It also represents something of an inevitable comeback for Robert Downey Jr. Because when your movie calls for a wisecracking, punch-drunk rogue who would also willingly scoop a huge spider out of your bra, really, who else do you think of? <laughs> it wasn't that big. Oh, it was pretty big. Really? Well, it's not. It's not. A, remember Little Money Spiders? 
That's yeah. about my tolerance. Yeah, level. no, I mean, I've seen a house spider in my own home bigger than that. That's I was true. I was actually unimpressed with the spider. That's on my list of changes, but we'll come to that <laughs> later. Bigger spider. Well, let's um, give you a bit of background uh, on this. So Shane Black, he obviously of Lethal Weapon, the last Boy Scout. So he has been acclaimed with, with like reinventing or at the very least reinvigorating the buddy movie dynamic. So from what I can tell, um, he sold the spec script to The Long Kiss Goodnight for $4 million. Mm-hmm. I think that's a brilliant film, but it didn't do that well um, in the US. So then he retreats, drinks a lot of grown-up drinks, as far as I can tell. Um, yeah, they say that, don't they? I, I think I read the same thing where it's like he felt burnt out mm. after The Long Kiss Goodnight. I don't know, you've just been paid $4 million. Yeah. I'd take nine years off as well. <laughs> I mean, really? Like, oh, I'm a bit burnt out. Are you Shane? Because you got four million in your yeah. bank account. Go have a margarita. Have a margarita. Read a lot of uh, dime store detective novels, and then write Kiss Kiss Bang Bang at some point. Become a notorious party boy. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I know someone who worked with him at that time, and they said it was pretty nutty. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. He looks like a man who's lived, and I think mm. you have to live to yeah. write the movies he writes. Yeah. Maybe so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. But I mean, especially if, if they're based on personal experience. <laughs> the voice of reason there. What we're saying, kids, is, is don't don't live too hard if you want to be a scriptwriter. You can use your imagination, yeah. surely. Yeah, or just watch Shane Black movies. And then copy that, yeah. Um, I think the finance was tricky to get together for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because of uh, he was a bit risky after The Long Kiss Goodnight. And then you've got Robert Downey Jr., who, wait, pun alert, at this point in his career, cannot get arrested. Literally, because he's literally just been in jail. Yeah. You get it, and that's yeah. what agents say in things like when you can't get any work and that. Like, I can't get you arrested. It's good. Yeah. yeah, I mean, a bit of backstory to that. So, yeah, he was uninsurable. Uh, that was the problem with Robert Downey Jr. because of um, his history with drugs and um, firearms and the whole thing. Getting he, into children's beds. I don't oh, remember yeah. that. It I, was his what? neighbor. Yeah, he broke into their house and went to sleep. <laughs> it's not funny. The article I read left out the child bit. Was I it think a it's, children's bed? I believe it was a child's yeah. bed. Yeah, oh, yeah. Wow. The, the child wasn't there as far no, as no, I know. No, he, he, he just went to sleep in the bed. bed. Yeah. Bed's a bed. That's not a thing. <laughs> That's not your motto. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, like, because it was the singing detective that sort of got him back on the road to rehabilitation as far as Hollywood was concerned. And that was because it was Mel Gibson who paid his insurance for that movie because they'd become friends on Air America. And Mel Gibson was like, let's get you back in the game, buddy. And so he paid his insurance. And then. Joel Silver, who obviously produced this, they became friends on Gothica, which Robert Downey Jr. was in, that Joel Silver withheld 40% of his salary until they'd wrapped so that he actually finished the movie. Mm, like pocket money, mm. sort of, but bigger stakes. <laughs> well, not that big, because he was like, I mean, if you think back to what he got paid for Iron Man, $500,000 was what he got paid, which is kind of insane when you think about what he did with that character and where he is now. So Robert Downey Jr. is hanging around in Joel Silver's office. Uh, Shane Black asks him to run some lines, and they're like, in, you know, unavoidably, this is the person we want. Like, there is no one else that can do it. And obviously, that fits with our budgetary constraints at the moment. Happy days. So then you've got two previously very big deals making their comeback um, in this film. I would also like to read out a quote from Mark Kamal, who reviewed it at the time. I don't agree with this, but I think it's very funny. Um, Black's directorial debut could hardly be termed a personal insight unless he is a man of no substance whatsoever. <laughs> Wow. I think it's very funny. It's a, it's a bit arch. <laughs> I, I know. I don't know if you've got to know a little bit about the writing of the script. Have you got any more on that, Vicky? No. So um, Black was upset that he wasn't being taken seriously in uh, Hollywood. He mm. tried to join the Academy so that he could vote in the Oscars. And they said no. And they said, come back to us when <laughs> you you've can't. got more credits. <laughs> and his films had made... Um, 
several billion by that point. Mm. So he was quite upset and he went away and decided he wanted to be taken seriously by those people. And his mentor was a guy called James L. Brooks, mm-hmm. who wrote um, Terms of Endearment, Broadcast News, and As Good As It Gets. Whose name you're going to be synonymous with if you've ever watched The Simpsons. <laughs> exactly. And so he decided he wanted to write a romantic comedy in the style of James L. Brooks. Mm. And he got about 80 pages into it, showed it to Brooks, and he said... This is fine, but it doesn't mean anything. I don't know why you're writing this. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like you. And so he added a murder. Mm. He went away, added a murder, retooled it, and that's what Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was. Yeah. So that's why it feels like a romantic comedy weirdly mixed with a murder mystery, because that's exactly what it was. It wasn't written that way for 80 pages. Yeah, I think, didn't uh, James L. Brooks say to him, why don't you think about Jack Nicholson's character in As Good As It Gets playing Jack Nicholson's role in Chinatown? Oh, that's interesting. That's where he started. Interesting. I like it. So to get into the plot, um, we have got, shall we call him Robert Downey, RDJ? RDJ. It's quicker. RDJ plays um, a thief who sort of accidentally turned into an actor. It's called Harry Lockhart. And he sort of tricks his way into Hollywood by bursting into an audition when he's on the run from the police and like smashing the audition. Everyone loves him because it's a very authentic performance. So he's kind of tricked his way into Hollywood, gets flown out there Um and he's at this lavish LA pool party in with contortionists and lots of good. And then, well, you've mentioned contortionists yeah, twice. Sorry. Have you got a thing for contortionists, no, good or to, bad? I've been to parties with contortionists. What? So they weren't as nice. As, it's more like a warehouse space, right? With contortionists. Give us a time frame. Recently, what, in my life, yeah, before children, right, 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 yeah, right, BC. Right. I haven't been. I haven't done that kind of party and had to look after kids the next day. Yeah. So this isn't a child's party you've organised for your kids and gone, we can't get a clown. No, but that's a fantastic idea. <laughs> Maybe yeah. they'd love a contortionist. Because the kind of spaces I was seeing them in, they'll work for cheap. No problem. <laughs> so that's a good idea. <laughs> and then I've always wondered with pool, like I've never been to a pool party, I think ever. And I've definitely not been to one in the Hollywood Hills. If you're invited to a pool party, do you put makeup on thinking, but if I get in the pool, it's going to run. Do you take it with you in a little bag, but then you've got to turn up not looking like you might want to? I just find it a nightmare. I I, uh, I have nothing to offer on whether you take makeup mm. with you to a pool party, I'd Chris. I'd love to know. Uh, I've, I been mean, to, I've been to pool parties. Okay. I've got in the pool, but as Alex said, no, no need for the but makeup. You're not wearing so, a scarf, no. exactly. Does your guy liner run? I don't wear guy liner. This is all natural. <laughs> really? So yeah, lucky. my smoky what eyes. What a show off. He's so blessed. Soulful so eyes. Blessed. Like soulful. Anyway, yeah. our DJ's at a pool party and he sort of runs into a woman called Harmony and he follows her because he feels like they've got a connection of some sort. Turns out they're old buddies from when they were kids. When Harry was a magician, she was his assistant. They sort of grew up together and then lost touch. So That's a good line, though. If we're going to talk about when she sort of introduced, because it's... Um, Val Kilmer's character, Gay Perry, yes, who's talking to him, and he sort of goes on and on about childhood sweethearts, and it's very heavy-handed exposition. And Robert Downey Jr. as the narrator goes, "Okay, that's a terrible scene. It's like, gee, why was that in the movie? You think maybe it'll come back later? It's like that shot of the cook in the Hunt for Red October." <laughs> I knew you'd like that. I love that joke. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention Gay Perry. Yeah, you did. I did, did, which is ridiculous because I love him in this. So we're introduced to Val Kilmer, who's a private investigator working for the producer, whose name I forget, that Robert Downey Jr. has been hired by. Um, And he takes actors out to sort of show them the tricks of the trade to try and make them a bit more, their screen tests a bit more authentic. Um, He is hard as nails. He's basically, in comparison to Robert Downey Jr., he's quite silent. 
and he's quite scary. Um, yeah, Black says of him that he was, as a character, an attempt to break stereotypes because he'd never seen the gay guy who kicks down the door, shoots everyone and bails your ass out before. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've, I've, I've got some things to say, <laughs> surprisingly. Go on, I, say them, V. Just the fact that the fact that the character's called Gay Perry mm. um, and the fact that a lot of Robert Downey Jr.'s interaction with him is either affected or genuine, I don't know which is worse, surprise at things that gay men do. Yeah. And it, I found, in 2005, I laughed and now I was like, shut the fuck up. Like, have you never met a gay person? And you clearly have. So why are you, like, it annoys me. I agree. I do agree. It's sort of jarring Mm. at points. Offensive. Yeah. All right, fine. Jarring slash offensive. But there is that bit where the lines are just so good where he goes to Gay Perry, he goes, still gay? And Val Kilmer goes, me? No, I'm knee deep in pussy. I just like the name so much I can't get rid of it. That is funny. It's funny. It's more like there's a line from the producer to Val Kilmer he's like oh so the first thing you do when you see a man is you want to fuck him but I and I would never think that it's like no one talks to gay people like that <laughs> that's good that leads onto the line it's like I see an elephant and I don't think I'm going to drain its blood to paint my boathouse <laughs> it's just so, just surreal yeah. line it's brilliant yeah. did, 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 supposedly the, the gay Perry nickname was supposed to be a pun it's did gay you, Paris yeah. yeah did you I never noticed that that mm. was supposed to be a pun well, is that is that true yeah and Vicky noticed it apparently. So if I noticed it, well, there you it go. must have been very heavily telegraphed. Um, yeah, no, it's a weird, it's a weird mixture. The humour, uh, some of the off-colour humour and stuff. It's a film that was definitely progressive in two thousand and five, and not progressive in two thousand. Yeah, it's, and it's unfair, I suppose, to apply the same. It's just when I've heard Shane Black talk about gay Perry's, like I wanted, I wanted someone who's ultra masculine and gay, and it's like. Yeah, there's. I know. I know a lot of masculine gay men. It's not. It's not groundbreaking to me to see a man who's very comfortable in his definition of what masculinity is, and he sleeps with men. It's not a big deal. Well, it's the fact that they just keep referencing the fact that he's gay. It feels like the film is patting itself on the back yeah, yeah. constantly yeah. for for having done it, rather than just having be yeah. another dude in the film. But then I suppose, in fairness, in two thousand and five, up until that point, maybe the gay characters we'd seen on screen were a bit more what you would put on the axis of femininity and therefore it was groundbreaking. Not so much that a person like that, like let's not be surprised a person like that exists because of course they do, but that they don't get uh, screen time as much as yeah. they should. Mm. Maybe. Mm. Um, so... It's a good job he's in it as well because Val Kilmer's so good in it. It's this. really, Just, really... I mean, amazing. I look at where, where he was in his career and it wasn't a great place. I mean, I noticed, I, I, I checked because... I mean, obviously, um, RDJ is in it more, but he gets top billing. Mm. Uh, understandably, he's the lead. But I wanted to see what Val Kilmer had done. And I looked at um, his CV of films between 2000 and this, which was what, 2005, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Have we got The Saint? Is The Saint in there? No, 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 no. The, there were literally only two of about six movies that I actually had heard of. Oh. And those two are Mission to Mars yeah. and Oliver Stone's Alexander. So he oh. was not in a pretty successful place with the choices he was making mm. on screen. He's as good in this film as he is as he is bad on the film's commentary. <laughs> what a pain in the arse he is on that. You've got Shane Black, Robert Downey Jr. and Val Kilmer. That should be a, a rock and roll commentary. And he's so annoying. Why? Why? Define. Um, because he keeps trying to make jokes. They're trying to talk about the film and he just keeps making jokes that aren't funny, but he's laughing at his own jokes. I don't know if he's had a drink beforehand or he's on something, but it's like it's, it's just a mess. I love him already. <laughs> no, that, the joke wears very thin. 
So our DJ wants to be around Harmony, like wants to reconnect with her a bit more. So I, th- I think the way the plot goes is he pretends to be a detective because he's been doing some detective work with Val Kilmer, which has inadvertently embroiled them in a murder plot. And he pretends to this woman that he's also a detective to help her solve what she believes is her sister's murder. It looks like suicide. And then over the course of the film, these two seemingly separate cases become linked. Is this a point, seeing as we're talking about the plot, that I may say something? I do have my hand in the air. I don't know why. It's new. That's really polite. And I like that. And yes, proceed. Um, I genuinely found the plot of this movie incredibly confusing. To the point where I did not know who was who who the dead body was, like, I honestly didn't get it. And this is the second time I watched it. And I remembered not getting it the first time and thinking, I'll walk in this time, having worked out. I had to, it took me about an hour afterwards in bed to process everything that had happened. And I I woke up going, right, I get it. Like, the body is his daughter, the impersonation of his daughter. Oh, Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. So she's there. And then Shannon Sossaman is the, impers- the, fake, the daughter. fake daughter who then Got gets it. killed. Yeah. And Michelle Monaghan's daughter, sister, nothing to do with it whatsoever. No. Right. And it's so, honestly, I was like, am I, have I, have I been taking stupid pills? <laughs> That's a nice development there. Yeah. But also I felt like I didn't care. Like I felt like I was in safe hands the first time I watched it. And if there were bits I didn't quite get, I didn't mind because the ride was so enjoyable that the destination didn't really matter to me at the end if I wasn't quite yeah, I getting agree. it all. Yeah, I just gave up. Like I, I couldn't believe I didn't get it because I've <laughs> obviously think I'm smarter than I am. And then I had the same thought process. You say this is literally the second time I've seen this. I can't believe I still don't get it. And then I thought, oh, it doesn't matter. Who gives a shit? It's fine. I think it does, though, because I was towards the end where I'm like, I was aware that I wasn't getting it, and I was sort of like, it, I, I was spending more time while watching the movie trying to work out what the fuck was going on, as opposed to actually enjoying the movie. Yeah. And I think it's a problem maybe with both of these films. And um, I think Shane Black says this on the commentary for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. But he says that oftentimes I spend so much time on my protagonist that I have no time for my villains. Mm. And so because in the film we don't really spend any time with the villain, Corbin Burnson, mm. we don't really get a chance to sort of understand what his plot was. We're just yeah. seeing it from the other point of view. Shit! Is he in The Dentist? The horror movie, The Dentist? Yeah. That's him. I was like, I know yeah. I've seen him in something. L.A. Law is what he's most famous right. for if you watched L.A. Law. Never watched L.A. Law, no. but have seen The Dentist. Yeah, yeah. That's okay, it. good, good, good. Right, yeah. He should be in it more because he's really good. I think. Yes. Yeah. I agree. I what, agree. The film comes together perfectly for me at the end. So I'd like to talk about my best scene, if that's all right with everyone. And oh, I'm yeah. going to go first because um, <laughs> okay. I get to decide. Well. So we've got mystery mystery stuff happening solving mystery and then all is lost and then Robert Downey Jr. sort of turns into a superhero out of nowhere so he's been quite bumbling well not bumbling but he's just not like he's not like a clean shot or anything like that like he's like meant to be like a normal he's a thief but he's not an assassin mm. particularly and just towards the end when it's all gone wrong Val Kilmer gets shot in the shoulder I think or looks a bit dead. Yeah, it look, we think he's dead. And the bad guys are sort of, they're going to get away with it and they're running away. And Harmony falls down a small hill, mm. I think, but he's totally paralysed from, from that <laughs> small fall down the hill. And she rings him and she asks him to do a magic trick. And from that point on, he suddenly becomes a hero. And I think it's brilliant. Like, okay. Yeah, I loved it. Oh, like, I thought you were going to say it was uh, you. You no, did like, like the leap it made. From, no, okay. I loved it because I've texted you about this. I'd listened to this interview with Shane Black, which I'm now obsessed with, and I get it now. It's the irresistible call to become to fulfil a legend, to become a myth, 
because you want to be a hero and that that is irresistible to a lot of people mm. so she and she asks him to do it so he does and he just becomes magic like for a minute he cannot miss he shoots everyone once and kills them and then they're all dead <laughs> yeah and that's it the and bit he's when he's saying, on the roof of the car yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, and he he's takes... hanging off a he's hanging off a dead woman's hand in a coffin off a bridge funny which is funny he leads the bad guy leans over bang you're done I think he falls on top of a car and from the roof of the car puts his arms over the car mm. fires at everyone and then they're dead and he saved the day yep. and the first time I watched that I was like oh come on but now having listened to what to like the explanation of it I, I, I just find it really attractive I just I think it's brilliant What's your best scene? <laughs> uh, I really like the scene where uh, Downey picks up the gun and shoots the guy. The gun that's on the bed with Shannon Sossaman under the bed. Um, because it's the first time you really see him, what he's capable of. That he is... Oh, but then does he have a massive cry about it? <laughs> he does, doesn't he? He does. No. He does. But it's the first it's, person it... he's... Ever kill? No, he he overkills them. And I'm saying that scene because of the broad range of emotions I think you see that guy go through. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. No, no, no. Absolutely. 100% not. Robert Downey Jr. has got two states of acting. Ready? Wounded puppy that wants a cuddle, walking erection. <laughs> Literally zero in between. And he will flip from one to the other in the same frame. But he's feeling a hell of a lot of regret after he's killed that guy. You see him feel rage because he keeps shooting him. You see him feel regret. And then a dog eats his finger. I think it really nicely sums up the film, that it goes from that very harsh piece of violence to this really dark piece of comedy. And then the dog, having just eaten his finger, comes in and goes up to him and he gives him a little stroke and a cuddle. And it's like, what is this movie? I mean, literally, though, that I've just realised that you can apply one of those mm-hmm. states to his entire performance mm-hmm. as Iron Man. Yeah. I'm just thinking of like the, like the start of Endgame where he's like crying, recording the thing for uh, Pepper Potts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's like, if I don't make it, uh, you know. And then... Oh, give me a cuddle. <laughs> yeah, and then, then... Yeah. Then he's a walking erection. Yes, he is. Like, <laughs> fucking on the money. <laughs> on the money. Yeah, that's great. Oh, I'm always... I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm having that, basically. <laughs> Steel, <laughs> announcing it. I'm announcing a steal. Uh, yeah, there's some great lines in it from him. Uh, like, I mean, like, I was wetter than Drew Barrymore in a grunge club. <laughs> <That's funny. laughs> it's, it's, and rude, yeah. but funny. Such a good line. But again, like, every time I try and think of one of Robert Downey Jr.'s lines, three of Val Kilmer's pop in, and it's just the way he delivers them. Like, it's little things, like, where uh, he drives off, and Robert Downey Jr., he's lost his gun. It's the whole lake scene, mm. and he's lost his gun and he's really pissed off with Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. gets out of the car and goes, okay, I'll, I guess I'll see you later. And Paul Kimmel just goes, die, <laughs> and drives off. <laughs> so good. And then when Robert Downey Jr. is like, um, I, I need, should I move the body? And he's like, Val Kilmer's like on the phone to him going, yeah, uh, put some gloves on. <laughs> Robert Downey Jr. goes, any particular kind of gloves? And Val Kilmer goes, yes, fawn. <laughs> you found that funny? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's such a good thing. Oh. Anyway, sorry, that is my favourite scene ultimately, is the whole scene by the lake. Uh, I just think the interplay of Val Kilmer and Robert Downey Jr. in that scene, just like it's line after line of just pure gold. Like when Robert Downey Jr. goes, is she dead? And Val Kilmer goes, no, she's just resting for a minute. <laughs> and like the whole throwing the gun into the lake scene and a bit where he's like, hey, is, is that a clue? Is, is that a clue right there? Pointing at Robert Downey Jr. And Robert Downey Jr. is like, what? He just smashes him in the face. (laughs) Yeah, so the lake scene is my favourite scene. Uh, um, Who is your most... Oh, hang on. Most valuable 
whatever. Is that an official change? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Chris changed it last week, didn't he? Right, okay. That was but, I mean, you were the architect of that change, so no, no, don't no. act surprised. All right, fine. What, your most valuable whatever, please. <laughs> yeah, put, some, Sorry. put some heart into it. Come on. <clears throat> Let me just go again. Uh, Chris, what was your most valuable whatever? Well, this week... I've gone for a character. <laughs> I, it's so difficult. I'm having um, I'm having Harmony Faith Lane as played by Michelle Monaghan because although she didn't go on to a huge amount of great things after this, it felt like this was a really star-making turn and I like how she's a match for RDJ throughout the film. Um, she doesn't take any of his BS. She's tough. She's smart. She's really resourceful and I really liked her as a character. Cool, cool. You can go now. <laughs> Why, thank you. Sorry. The power's gone to our head. You, did you just wa- do a royal wave at me? Please go on. Kind of accidentally, but yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, so, uh, MVC. Um, I wanted to say Robert Downey Jr. because um, obviously this gave him Iron Man. John Favreau saw him in this, and that led on to Iron Man. As I said, he got paid five hundred thousand for Iron Man, less than uh, Terrence uh, Howard uh, got in it uh, at the time, and. Uh, He's since been rewarded for that. I was quite surprised at this, although I kind of knew it. But do you know how much he got for... By the time he turned Iron Man into a thing, for the first Avengers movie, he got $50 million. How much? Yep, $50 million. Five zero? Five zero million dollars for the first Avengers. That's a lot of pool parties, isn't it? (laughs) Avengers Age of Ultron, $80 million. What? And by the time uh, Infinity War and Endgame had finished at the box office, they estimate in the region of $200 million. He's made from his appearances in those movies. And so, yet he can't buy any drinks with it, which is a real <laughs> shame. <laughs> uh, then um, I didn't want to go with him because um, it's Val Kilmer. He's just never been better than he is in this movie. It's a note-perfect performance. He's so good, uh, but also giving a shout-out to Protocop. <laughs> love Protocop. Yeah. Uh, mine's Val Kilmer as well, obviously. It's a very dignified performance and it's got that I like that still waters run deep kind of thing that he's got going on um what would you change if you could change anything Chris um I initially had a couple of other things down but I've changed my mind now because I've mentioned them already um more time with the villain and maybe less of the referencing of of gay Perry being gay Mm. maybe just let him be Perry for some of the film, but I'm going with the cut of Robert Downey Jr.'s trousers, the and cut it's of how his trousers. it's how he wears them in real life. It's how he wears them in uh, as Tony Stark, and he has them like this here, and I don't like it. I know what he's going. Do you know what, what I mean? I, 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 how would you describe it? It's I, like, for, I first noticed it. If we're talking about the same thing, I first noticed it at the uh, premiere of Captain America: Civil War, which I hosted at uh, Westfield, and I remember going interesting, and I'd never noticed it on film before. He wears boot cut. Boot cut, boot oh, cut, with a, with a slight Cuban heel as well in almost everything. So I think basically these characters are dressed like this because that's how he dresses in real life, and he just says, "This is what we're doing." Yeah. I think it looks really weird. Uh, so you would change Robert Downey Jr.'s trousers? Yep. Great, Alex. I actually have serious ones. I feel like... that was a serious one. Oh, okay, okay, sorry. <laughs> I like his trousers. Yeah, I get it. It's a serious one. I'm sorry. I just I thought it was like playful, but no, it's... no, never knowingly funny. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Firstly, I would have absolutely 100% more of Val Kilmer in this movie and specifically more of him on screen with Robert Downey Jr. Their sparring is fantastic. And yet it feels to me for a movie that really is like sold on this kind of buddy relationship between the two, or at least that's its high point for me, 
it's weird how often Kilmer departs and then reappears and departs and reappears. You know, I think this is this is a, a, a an issue with uh, like like Lethal Weapon. I think if you watch the Lethal Weapon, the first Lethal Weapon film, um, Murtar, uh, sorry, Riggs spends quite a lot of time on his own mm. in that film, and it's only when you get to two, three, and four that you really get the buddy stuff. It's 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 introducing that relationship, and so you know this should have had a sequel. Right, you know, and it literally does at the end of the film. You they're literally working together now. Yeah. So you're absolutely right. I just think in the first film, maybe Shane Black finds it hard to to focus on that when he's got to do all these other things. Mm. So my bigger issue with the film is, and it's it's one of those that it's, I think is going to marmite people. Mm-hmm. It's either you love it or you hate it. I think it's too self-aware for me. I don't bit, yeah. I don't like how meta it is. I don't like the fact that it no. It, it's a movie that knows it's being watched and it knows it's a film. Yeah. And the minute that you see that and you see Robert Downey Jr. narrating stops in the film and talking about the film as a film, it creates a barrier between you and it. You can't really ever get that emotionally involved yeah, in it, which is care. why I find it quite a cold movie. Yeah. Because once you know the characters are being, they know they're being watched. So it stops you sort of going, I'm yeah. just, I'm a voyeur to this. It feels like you're being played to. So that's my biggest problem with it. Do you know what I would change? Uh, because as I've mentioned, I did struggle to follow the plot and it would really help me out if all the characters' names didn't end in I. So Perry, Harry, Harmony, and I just couldn't <laughs> keep track of who was saying what to who. That's my change. Good one. I, like I, can't, it. Believe, I can't believe Shannon Sossaman has like maybe one line in this. I know, when I saw her name in there, I was like, oh, she's obviously yeah. a huge part. Yeah, one line. No. Uh, did you learn anything when you watched this film, Chris? Lots of, lots of bits and pieces I learned. Okay, great. Um, I found it interesting. So it says it's, I don't know what the exact credit is, but it's based on Bodies Are Where You Find Them. Yeah. Uh, this film by Brett Halliday, when we all know it's a Shane Black film. Yeah. So it's quite weird, this. So I, I sort of tried to do some research on that front. And it turns out Shane Black um, liked a twist in that book. And so uh, he loved the author. The author's been long dead. He got in touch with the author's granddaughter and said, can I use this twist in my film? I'll give him a proper great credit so that people go find the film and I'll give you a bunch of money. And she said yes. And so that's why Brett Halliday's credited, credited here. And the same thing happens on The Nice Guys, where it's a Brett Halliday yeah. twist he liked. Yeah. He went to the same woman. Here's more money. <laughs> she wants him to make more of these movies, I'm guessing. Um, so I thought that was just a lovely thing, that he's brought this long dead, so I, long forgotten author. I'm doing this new movie, Iron Man 3, but I've got a twist. Uh, <laughs> here's a brown paper bag. Uh, I didn't know that was Danny Jr.'s son playing him yeah. as a boy in the film. Oh, neither did I. Yeah, except he's got a weird name. He's called Indio Fal- Falconer is his name. Okay, he met his wife on this movie, didn't he? Or just before this uh, movie? He met her on Gothica. Okay, yeah, Susan Downey. Susan, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I uh, mean, sorry, that's what she became. (laughs) It wasn't like very good. Whoa, yeah, she's just always called. (laughs) You were just always my wife. But funny enough, that's that's Downey's son's only screen credit, so he's not followed in his father's footsteps. And nor should he. Mm. Hell of a party, no, though. No, should he? Hell of a party for kids. Like, they've got a kid with a chainsaw at that That's party. That's the one bit that I'd forgotten. I was like, no. I mean, I know it's a different time, but no one just lets a nine-year-old, like an electric sword to another nine-year-old. Never. As, you might be the shittiest dad in the world, but still. And I'm sure you heard this, but the actor's in the film didn't know it. On the commentary, Danny and, and Kilmer didn't know that. That's Lawrence Fishburne voicing the bear in the beer commercial. <laughs> No, I didn't. You know that? Yeah, it's Lawrence Fishburne. <laughs> Why? Because uh, he's mates with Joel Silver from the Matrix movies. And, and then you can hear it when you know, but it really doesn't matter. So it's just like... <laughs> oh, that's, uh, that's a good that's a good bit of trivia. Yeah. Hmm. yeah, That's all I got. Yeah, I didn't learn anything that I didn't 
already know. No, you learn. You learn what the plot was. Oh, oh yeah, yeah that's you learned a lot this time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah I can now make sense of this movie, and I also uh, learned that uh, you do not smoke at pool parties in LA. I mean, that is a, that's a red flag right there. When yeah. he lights up at the start and they're like, eh, eh, but I already knew that. I'm like... From trying to do it. Yeah, exactly. From smoking in LA and people going, Ugh, uh, it's fuck LA. <laughs> uh, this is what I learned, that Shane Black is actually a nice dude. <laughs> and I didn't... I'm as surprised as anyone. Oh, really? I've read interviews with him, but obviously on the page, things come across the way that I want them to come across because mm. I put my own voice on it. And I listened to this interview with him. And obviously from his life, you would just think like total playboy, spoiled, what a dick. And he is, unless it's a massive act, but fine, humble, appreciative, grateful, understands that a lot of it is down to luck, mm. understands that it's a mad business and he's just trying his best, taking it day by day, all of that. And I was really struck by it. I just want to say, halfway through you were saying that, I wet my lips, but it came through on the microphone, I think, because Chris looked at me like, what was that noise? And I just want to clarify that with me going, that was just me wetting my lips. I have some balm. I'll put that on now. I just It's a weird sound. I don't want people to think that like I got excited or anything. You know what my friend calls that? She calls it sticky voice. It's <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it's that. Yeah, and once you've heard it, you can't yep. unhear it. So if someone's doing an interview mm. and they've got the sticky voice, mm. ugh, kill me, stop it. Yeah, it is, yeah. yeah right. Can we stop talking about that? <laughs> Yeah, right. that's it. Film finished. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. Let's move on then. And that was Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Next up on this week's Clash Pod, it's the nice guys from 2016. This is a high-profile case. Made the newspapers. Where is Amelia? What the hell's going on? Oh, you know, there's a guy coming to kill us. That kind of crap. Hey, can you behave like a professional? I'm sorry. Why do you think everyone involved with this case was dying? The dad from Frasier. Gandhi, Hugh Jackman, the Dalai Lama, Mr. Miyagi, Steve Rogers, Mr. Rogers, Dave Grohl, Richard Bryars, Tom Hanks, former Crystal Palace goalkeeper Julian Speroni, Keanu Reeves, Michael Palin, Wallace from Wallace and Gromit, Tony Hart, Barack Obama, Jesus Christ and me, Chris Tilly. Are all nice guys. (laughs) Are you reading the Wikipedia entry again? (laughs) However, the nice guys we are discussing this week have called that ironically. And as far as I can tell, only one of them is actually nice in real life. But I'm not saying which, the end. <laughs> you will say. <laughs> um, that, that ties in nicely to the tagline for this movie, which was, nice pair. <laughs> oh, that's a good tagline. It is. It is. So, uh, a bit of background about this one. It was written a very long time ago, around the time of Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Mm, even and, before, I think. And he uh, with a guy called Anthony Bagarozzi, who I've had dinner with twice. Go on. What's he like? Lovely. Yeah, lovely. Big, larger-than-life Italian-American man who, who hasn't got a huge amount of writing credits but has collaborated with Shane Black through the years. And how did you come to be having dinner with him? That person I mentioned who worked for Shane Black is married to someone I'm friends with. And so it's all interconnected. It's quite boring. Um, but, and so he wanted to make Nice Guys and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang at about the same time. And it was only Kiss Kiss Bang Bang that Joel Silver uh, said, we'll let you direct. And so that's why he went with Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, could Anthony not have come on the show if he's a dinner buddy? He's in, he's in L.A. Right. OK. OK. Cool, cool, cool. Can we, oh, is there an option for us to fly to L.A. to do a show? There actually is. I've just spoken to our team. Uh, <laughs> oh, great. And there's a budget. So Can we that's... go to a pool party? Because I've never been to one. Yeah, but I'll tell you, Mascara, I won't embarrass you. I'll just have to stand outside to smoke. Yeah, you... <laughs> <laughs> You'll end up looking like a clown after going in the pool. It'll be a fucking disaster. We will own that town. <laughs> uh, and as I'm sure you guys read doing your research, it started out as a TV series. I didn't read that. Yeah, I did. <laughs> Would you like to hear it from Mr. Black? You said you were only going to play these clips. You said, yeah. I've got two clips this week, but I'm only going to play them if you introduce them. You introduced that. No I, had, else. I had no choice. I realised I was just going to say what Shane Black was saying. It's okay. better it comes from Shane Black. I agree. But it is me asking him about it. This, so. is, this is an interview you did. Set the scene for us. This is an interview you did with Shane Black. Um, yeah. I'm not sure if you'll hear me now or not. or just on. Okay, Black but where thing. are you? I want to know. Paint okay. a picture, Chris. He's Words having are dinner your, with him. With you're Anthony. like Stephen no, King. No, Words no, are your power. This is Shane Black. Um, he came to my office when I worked at IGN mm-hmm. and we did an hour-long interview for... Uh, the nice guys okay. and he was a very uh, is he really nice in real life he was great he was a really good interview very good so let's let's hear what he's got to say about it we had a script it was good no one wanted it so there it went and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang happened now after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang we have a period where uh, we try nice guys again as a TV show no one wants it but standards and practices I mean if, if you've seen the film there's a scene where you know there's a little girl in the trunk of a car and she says, can I come into the party? And her dad looks at her and just shuts the lid and like, takes the keys to the valet. And they were horrified. 
I said, no, no, but it, it, he's not going to really let her suffocate. He's going to go right back and let her out, which he does. Plus, I think in a way it's sort of touching that he doesn't, it's an indicator of how much respect they have for each other. They don't tolerate each other's bullshit. Child abuse. So it was never going to happen. Are you listening to the radio during the interview? <laughs> are you interviewing him in a lift? <laughs> <laughs> that is. And are you laughing at him going, child abuse? Yes, I was. I was. I heard you snickering in the back. Yeah, that's my snicker. That's my snicker. That's definitely my snicker. No, that is the uh, musical bed that the editors at IGN put on the back of that video. I know. Uh, <laughs> but not everyone does. So, uh, and that was set in the present day when that was a TV show. So, in the intervening years, they decided to put it in the 1970s so that it's got more of a timeless quality. And also, he wanted to look into two things that were a big problem in LA in the 70s, as he calls it, LA, uh, porn and smog. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so right. the film is about porn and smog, mm. loosely based on a 1973 novel by uh, Brett Halliday called Blue Murder, in which the private eye is hired to track down an actress who has made a porn film, but her father's a politician who is chair of the anti-porn committee. So it's tied in quite closely with what this plot becomes. It's quite a harrowing opening, isn't it, to this movie? I remember that much um, from seeing it the first time round, where Misty Mountains ends up spread-eagled on the bonnet yeah. of her car, dead. And yeah. you're like, eesh. And that poor Ty Simpkins is like, puts, drapes her blanket over her as the police arrive. Yeah, I didn't like, I don't like it. I just... I, that's what I'm saying. I found that quite harrowing. Like, it's quite a dark start. And also, it doesn't make sense. Is it his dad's bed? He retrieves the yeah. pornographic... So, what's the deal with the dad's wife? Because uh, his mum, I'm presuming, let's say, because she's in bed with him. Yeah. Can she not bend down? Because that porn is just lying, like lying there, like under the bed. It's not disguised or anything. Why so... would it be something that they? Maybe it's something they use together. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Wow! Bank, open your mind. Flipping egg. Flipping egg. Yeah. Maybe it's something that uh, brings them both equal pleasure and joy. Okay. Just as a thought experiment, go there. Have you ever come across a situation? I'm not answering these questions. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, move on. Well, I'll give, I'll give you a brief overview of the plot because we're not going to go into the detailed machinations of it, but this is kind of uh, the synopsis. Uh, Holland March, played by Ryan Gosling, is a down-his-luck private eye in 1977 Los Angeles. Jackson Healy, played by Russell Crowe, is a hired enforcer who hurts people for a living. Fate turns them into unlikely partners after a young woman named Amelia mysteriously disappears. Healy and March soon learn the hard way that some dangerous people are also looking for Amelia. Their investigation takes them to dark places as anyone else who gets involved in the case seems to wind up dead. So they agreed to do this movie within three days. Shane Black says, after 13 years of being in limbo, after Gosling accepted the role to work with Crow because he thought it would be brilliant and they'd wanted to work with each other, um, in three days it all came together and they got their budget and it all, um, it all kicked off. Um, although I will and say this... Um, Russell Crowe agrees with me about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. He says uh, um, he didn't like it. He didn't like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. And he's gone on record, considering he was in, like, you know, the nice guys. You'd think he'd maybe pull his punches. But he's like, I think it's too aware of itself. I feel like it's an in-joke going on in that movie. And I don't connect to that. It's not funny for me if the guy thinks he's being funny, is what Russell mm -hmm. Crowe has to say about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. So that's a, a vote for the nice guys at the end of the show from Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. 
Uh, but I like the way certainly when you watch the film, the film a second time, you see a lot of uh, the clues are all sort of laid out at the start of the movie in terms of if, you, if you're paying attention to stuff that's being said on the radio or stuff that's on the news to do with the Detroit, Detroit Motor Show. Uh, there's there's smog reports on the radio. There's stuff that you wouldn't notice first time. I mean, genuinely, I followed the plot of this movie. So I felt really yeah. good about that after Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. I'm like, <laughs> wow, I'm not a moron. This makes sense. Okay, so you thought this one was much a bit much simpler. Much simpler, yeah. yeah. Um, again, we've got the sort of three uh, protagonists, two guys and a girl, except this time the girl is someone's daughter, Ugh. Uh, Ryan Gosling's daughter. <laughs> Please tell me you were just coughing uh, up phlegm, or is this an opinion on no, the daughter? You she's don't like her. Fucking annoying. Wow. I don't like. Um, I children. I do, I do <laughs> like children. When we're parents, we'll understand this, Chris. Um, not not together. I uh, understand. Not that I have a problem with that. Oh fuck! I'm a Shane Black script. Go on. <laughs> not that I was about to repeat you. That's weird. I must be tired. Right. Wait a second. Let yep. me just get my own thoughts okay. in order. So you can have mine. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> want anything to do with it. I knew that. Um, I understand why she's necessary. She's a moral through line for these two men, and I get it. But just in drawing the father-daughter relationship, there's a few inconsistencies. And it's just a petty thing, but she's just an annoying, smart Alec kid. And I don't find her relationship with her dad satisfying or engaging or fun to watch. So he, the dad, Ryan Gosling, has sort of inadvertently killed them, her mum by not fixing a leak in the furnace and their house exploded. Because right? he can't smell. He can't smell. It's, no, not it's, not fault. Yeah, it's not his fault. It's not his fault. Right. But... Listen, just, I don't want to alienate people who can't smell right now. No, it sure. Like, it sounds like the route you're going down. No, 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 not at all. Oh. Uh, God, I really hope that's not how it came across. That okay. would be dreadful it's to all right. me. It's all right. I'm sure but now we cleared it up. You would think, given all that's happened, he would be very protective of his child. It's a fun twist that he's not, but like, for instance, he wouldn't put her behind the wheel of a car and he would just be a bit more concerned for her safety. And I know that's boring, but there are ways of making that. I like it. I like the world's worst dad thing because that's his arc. By the end, he's a better dad because he's not in that pit of self-loathing and despair that he's in for the movie where he literally yeah. can't even find the love and care and attention and affection to give his daughter. Do you not just find when a child goes, pinky promise, and I would place my own children, you're just like, shut the <gasps> fuck yeah, up. Yeah, all right, all right, yeah. That, I, 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 I belched. Yeah, unless, it, is it meant to be a joke? Mm. I don't know. It just, I just uh, shut up. Anyway. Yeah, no, no, I don't like that scene. But in general, I think she's great. I like the fact that she's... She... good at what she does. Mm. And also, Drunk Gosling is the best Gosling, so you might be sacrificing Drunk Gosling for the duration of the film. Which I wouldn't want to do. No. <laughs> Who knew, like, Gosling's performance in this is a fucking revelation. Like, he is absolutely brilliant. I liken his performance in this, because I never knew, I don't, why would I have done, that he was going to be such a brilliant physical comedian. And his clowning in mm. this, I'd put up there with the Quaalude scene in Wolf of Wall Street mm -hmm. with Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> where you suddenly go, holy shit, who knew they could do that? He's that good. Well, I'll reveal my um, my favourite scene early now, but it's the scene where he's on the toilet with the gun, the cigarette and the magazine. I mean, it goes on for ages, but every time it's really funny where he's kind of juggling them and trying to, trying to pull the gun. There's that, there's the bit where he sees the dead body and he's like... <gasps> and he's trying to shout and he can't because he's so scared. And there's also um, the other bit I really like is... Uh, oh, well, it's actually it's a line as opposed to a physical scene, but it's where Janet goes, you took the Lord's name in vain. He goes... No, I didn't. Janet. <laughs> and it's just a realisation that Janet is the funniest name in the world. But there's in you were talking about before. That's when he says, I think I'm invincible. I don't think I can die. It's, like, <laughs> it's, just, it's just a great character. And he's given so many fun things to do in the film. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's almost a shame we haven't seen him do more of this style of, yeah. of 
performance. Well, he's, um, he's, his chemistry with Crow is fantastic. And the thing is, you can tell they really got on. I mean, they wanted to work with each other, but they really got on. Um, I got a clip of just which proves, because I think one of, the, one of the worst things you can ever see an actor do is uh, present an Oscar because it's always so awkward and so hammy and so unnecessarily bad. Uh, but them uh, presenting uh, the Oscar together around the time this movie came out, so 2016, is a masterclass in how to do it. Good evening, folks. We're here to present the award for best adapted screenplay. And not to get too technical, but that's the screenplay that was the best at adapting to whatever harsh conditions and obstacles were thrown in its way. No, it's a screenplay adapted from another source, such as a novel, play, short story, or a TV show. Mm, agree to disagree, okay? What's that? Agree that you're wrong. Look, let's not fight. I mean, my God, we have two Academy Awards between us. This is beneath us. <laughs> Did you win an Oscar? Well, not when you put it like that, but you have two Academy Awards, so technically there's two between us, okay? Can we just... I have one. No, you have two. No, I have, I have one. Well, agree to disagree, okay? Can we go on and give out this award so that more people can have Oscars like we do? Listen, mate, you can't just go around saying... Here are the nominees for Best Adapted Screenplay. <laughs> I think that's great. I remember killing myself when I saw that live. No? Not feeling it? Chris, you see... It's quite funny. It's just, isn't it's it amazing funny. that it, that is funny? But the 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 thing, the the ceremony, just makes everything awful. <laughs> <laughs> or, or it's like when a, a a pigeon flies onto the court at Wimbledon. <laughs> a, a pigeon flying crying on some grass is not funny until it's at Wimbledon. Okay, like, and you'll just laugh at anything at that point. This is funny. Do it again. You mean it's such a, a, a humorless environment that the slightest yeah. thing that might be yeah. funny yeah. is hilarious, yes. right? Okay, slapping your thigh. Okay, good. Um. So you liked the plot of this one better, Alex, if you could understand it, because ultimately it's a film about it's a film about patronizing. It's a film about catalytic converters. It is. <laughs> and yet it's pretty gripping. Mm. Yeah. Um, all right. Let's move on to scene. I've already said my scene. Uh, Vicky, what is your favorite scene? The final scene in the bar where the the bad guys have won because the catalytic converter scandal will be buried or paid off or, or whatever. I actually wasn't quite following that bit. And Ryan Gosling says to Russell Crowe, who's depressed, says, at least you're drinking again, which I think yeah. is the best line in the film. But also, they seem more connected as a double act, like you've just said, in that last scene. And, and then I was like, let's go from here, because this is really exciting. Um, or it's the scene when Ryan Gosling falls asleep driving the car and he hallucinates the bee in the back of the car. <laughs> and the bee's just like, we all drive now, because <laughs> the, the air is so dirty. That, that scene at the end of the movie, uh, it, it, um, I found my favourite piece of IMDb trivia oh, about right. that scene. The IMDb trivia said, uh, the toast which ends the movie to the birds is delivered by two men with bird-based surnames. Crow and Gosling. That's lovely. <laughs> who thinks up this crap? And then who goes on to IMDb and writes it? Alex, favourite scene? Um, I guess I, I had the B scene as well, just because it's just so surreal and weird in a movie that is like, sort of, it doesn't, you don't think it's coming. Um, no. And I really like that. And I like bees. <laughs> so <Okay>. that's it. <laughs> Good. Uh, MVW, uh, Vicky? 
Uh, it's Chet the projectionist because <laughs> my son is called Chet, and so I'm just uh, just out there, you know, just like you called your son Chet. You know, the thing is, yeah. fucking Chet's in the world. I know, I know, I know, I know, and it's really worrying. He's and, not a projectionist; he's a projectionalist. Uh, sorry, a projectionalist. And I did worry <laughs> because they're obviously like, "Shut up, Chet! Shut up, Chet!" <laughs> and then, but depending on when this film came out, it was already too late. So I can't remember if we because it came out in 2016. Yeah, they were born in wait. When were they born? 2016. Um, but I just can't remember when it came out. And so it, it was I was either watching it with a tiny baby in my arms, being like, oh fuck, never mind, like too late. Or the decision had been made and Mark is very stubborn and he wouldn't have gone back on it. And so it was already too late, kind of thing. So yeah, Chet, Chetty, shout out. Do you know who plays Chet in the film? No. Uh, Val Kilmer's son. No! Really? Yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. You seem to know a lot about actors' sons this episode. Uh, I've just been doing my research. Good, good. No, it's... And it's interesting that there's all this there's crossover. There's no implication there. It's good. It's a lot of crossover. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Chet's a cool name. Just confirmation. <laughs> Fucking Chet's Chet. Chet Atkins, Chet Baker. They're cool. So... Who are you telling this to? Yourself? <laughs> oh, do you know what happens this, to This will be in 10 time? years' time when <laughs> Chet's listening to this. Poor Chetty. So people in this country, I suppose in America it's more common now. I didn't know people that, in this fucking no, country. No. People in this country, he's been, he, gets, he gets called Chad a lot because they mishear me, which I'm not happy about. But if someone sees it written down and they try to say it back to him, they call him Shay because they think it's a silent T. They think it's French. This country. This yeah. fucking country. Also, uh, better name. So. <laughs> <laughs> Be grateful to those people. It's a terrific name. Uh, yeah, yeah. Shay, love that. Shay. <laughs> brilliant Shays of this world. <laughs> Alex, MVW. Uh, <laughs> all right, so when I was reading up on this, like it's... I want to say Gosling just because I've never seen him be this good or this funny. And I was reading an article and it was talking about how um, three difficult men were put together to make this movie. Shane Black's notoriously quite difficult. Russell Crowe, obviously, had the reputation of being difficult. But it also said Gosling was quite difficult. Oh, I've heard that. Right. Never so that. I was like, what the fuck are they talking about? Mm-hmm. And it's about when he was fired from the Lovely Bones you know the right, role that yeah, Mark yeah, Wahlberg yeah. played? Yeah. And he was fired from that. And like he's gone on record to talk about uh, why he was fired by Peter Jackson. And he was saying we had a different idea of how the character uh, of Jack Sam and the grieving father should look. And Gosling believed he should be 210 pounds. And they didn't speak during the production process. So Gosling just basically sat there eating Melton Hagen Dass ice cream every time he was thirsty. He'd melt it oh, down man. and drink Hagen Dass. And then he got to the set on the first day. And in his own words, he was like, I just showed up on set and I'd gotten it wrong. And, <laughs> and then I was fat and unemployed. <laughs> Which I think is hilarious. I'm surprised he got onto the set. So I was like, sorry, where's beautiful Ryan Gosling gone? <laughs> is, that, is that being difficult? That's just being yeah, hungry exactly. or stupid. And that, that's, my, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that I think, you know, it's yeah. not that he's difficult. It's that in his own words, he just got it wrong. <laughs> um, but my actual MV, and I'm going with C for character, is kid on bike. Um, <laughs> and just in case you're struggling to remember Kid on Bike, here is Kid on Bike. So that famous chick. My famous chick. Dead one, porn star, Misty something. You saw Misty Mountains here? Yeah. Talked to the producer. At... No, his name was Sid. Sid Hatrack. Yeah. Nobody's name is Hatrack. Whatever. Tried to get a job. I offered to show my dick because I got a big dick. All right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's very nice. Yeah. You sure you didn't see another girl? Nope. You guys want to see my dick? Nobody <laughs> wants to see your dick, dude. 20 bucks? 
We already paid you 20. What am I saying? Oh, all right. <laughs> yeah, he's good. <laughs> he's so good. I mean, granted, listening to it back, it's all Gosling who does the heavy lifting. In, uh, but it's just, nobody's name is Hat Rack. <laughs> Such a good line. And also as he's walking off and the kids go, 20 bucks. He's like, we already paid. What am I saying? <laughs> so good. So he, uh, kid on bike is my, and Gosling, my MVCs. Uh, I am going for an actress uh, this time. I'm going for Angori Rice, who plays Holly March, the little girl. The one that Vicky hates. Don't look at me when you say that. Um, I think I think she's a terrific actress. I think she holds her own against uh, those two heavyweights. I think she's funny. I think she's adorable. I think she's really good in the movie. So that is my choice. Uh, what <laughs> would... Shake of the head over there. <laughs> what would you change? Alex, you go first. Uh, what would I change? Uh, there's not really much I would change uh, about this movie. I guess, again, I'm sort of borrowing from your angle, which I hadn't thought of until you said it at the start, but the villain in this is Kim Kim Bassinger is the mm. villain or John Boy the, is the villain. I mean, granted, mm. calling him John Boy and going, oh, you mean John Boy from the Waltons? And it's like, it's a different John Boy. It's like, well, we're not sure at the moment. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's good, there's some great lines, but I don't know. I think, you know, I think it's it's sort of, there's no antagonist for this pair to really go up against. Apart from Blueface, who checks out early, I really mm. thought he was a nasty piece of work. And, you know, if he'd stuck around a bit longer, it would have been quite good. But he does set up John Boy as this guy who's flying in to murder them. So, mm. so yeah, a bit of a, a better villain, maybe. But uh, honestly, it's difficult. I really love this. Lady V? Uh, oh, God. The... <laughs> The kid. <laughs> um, Which kid? <clears throat> Angry Rice. <laughs> um, Holly March. Only the... Uh, wait. Oh, you changed the story. I changed I, Yeah, it, I got yeah. confused. Yeah, wait, yeah, yeah. We're not doing... Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. think she's a good actor. What I'm saying is, given what's happened to her, why can't she show some real venom? Like, rather than just, I hate you, Dad, or whatever, she can be like, you kill my mum, or whatever. <laughs> um, and... She would be a wreck after what happened to her. You don't just breeze through that life experience and then sit in the empty plot of where your house used to be and be like, yeah, I feel a little bit sad, but you'd be a bit of a mess. And she's got lots of opportunities to be a bit more than a cute, adorable. Ten-year-olds are not just adorable. They're rarely adorable. So let's see a real ten-year-old. Like when she's always like, oh, Mr. Healy, don't kill him. Fuck's sake. Like, Whatever. Mm. Like her friend's got a little bit more. Yeah, about her friend Je- is loads of fun. Jessica. Janet. Oh, Jessica. Jessi- well, Jessica's good because when um, when they arrive back with Amelia and and like and Jessica's there and his daughter's there and he's like, I thought you were staying at Jessica's tonight. And she goes, Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. March. My sister's having a guy round. <laughs> and he goes, Your sister's a slut. <laughs> it's just like and she goes, Yes, yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> like I like you. You know, if you're gonna do a smart Alec kid. It's a standard trope, but maybe just make it. You could. Why not push it a bit further and just make it a bit more arch? I would change uh, what Vicky just said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, uh, uh, this movie cost fifty million and grossed sixty three million, meaning it wasn't the hit it needed to be. Shane Black had a bunch of ideas for sequels, but I, so I would have this be a hit, so we could have got Nice Guys too. True. It's that principle again: Lethal Weapon, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Uh, all these films, they're enemies for most of the film. They're friends at the end, so you can start the sequel without having to worry about any of that stuff, and they're a team. And I, I, I'm so wish we got Nice Guys too. Mm-hmm. I think I even mentioned it in a previous episode. So, um, yes, I will say this. I, I, I did a bit of reading about how Shane Black writes scripts, um, which fascinated me. And it applies a little more to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang because what he kind of basically did, the way if you read any of the um, explanations for scenes on Shane Black's scripts, they read like Harry Lockhart's narration in that, which yeah. is what he basically repurposed and turned into narration. But I found a, little, a couple of bits which um, 
which I think really, if you were reading his scripts, uh, they'd immediately perk your interest. Because uh, for Last Boy Scout, it's like exterior, posh Beverly Hills home, Twilight. And the explanation is, the kind of house that I'll buy if this movie is a huge hit, chrome glass carved wood, plus an outdoor solarium, a glass structure like a greenhouse, only there's a big swimming pool inside. This is a really great place to have sex, is his explanation of the house. There's another one from Last Boy Scout. Uh, remember Jimmy's friend, Henry, who we met briefly near the opening of the film? Of course you do. You're a highly paid reader, a development person. No, 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 no. Do no. you not think so? No, I really don't. I think he, you would, uh, it puts a distance. You need to be so fucking good. But if you pull it off and you are that good, you're as good as he is, you'll make the distance back and the reader will have been on this journey with you. Mm. But if you fuck it up and you're not brilliant, the reader is like, Fuck you, dude! Like, don't talk to me. Right, right, right. <laughs> I, 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 I see, I see. You really roll the dice with something. Yeah, like yeah, that. for sure. If you're as good as he is, you haven't got nothing to worry about. But there's, I've read a lot of scripts where people try it, and it makes you want to. It's the overfamiliarity. It's yeah, like yeah. you it, don't know me. It's like, the script equivalent of meeting someone for the first time and they give you a hug. Absolutely, right. yes. Um, I do that. It's that's reminded me actually <laughs> with with uh, you know my favorite scene of Kiss Kiss. I said was where he picks up the gun and 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 shoots the the guy. Mm. Um, I read this this the scene of that in the script and it was very different. He's much it was much more hard boiled. He was a, he becomes an executioner in that second. It's really interesting because I guess Shane Black is directing his own script. He gets on set, realised that it's much more interesting to have. Um, Downey Jr. be the reluctant executioner. So if you watch the scene, rather than pick up the gun and shoot the guy, he's looking away. He's looking away as he shoots it, mm. and it makes it a much more powerful, believable scene. Mm. Uh, all right. So, um, but very quickly before we move on to, have you got more? Because I've got the quiz. I've got the quiz before the verdict. Did you learn anything? All oh, right. I learned two things. Go. On. I got obsessed with Ryan Gosling's empty swimming pool and his rental property, and I learned that, um, and I, it made me feel quite uneasy. And I learned there's um, a real phobia of empty swimming pools, um, and it's within the sort of umbrella of kinophobia, which is a fear of empty spaces. Hmm. Second thing I learned is, um, it, is it that fear of the unknown someone, and the uh, void, and oh. it, and it doesn't look right to your eye. Like I thought it was that fear where you sort of visualise it and you imagine someone just not realising it's empty and yeah. diving straight in and smashing their there teeth out. There is that out. as well, yeah, because if you fell into it. Because you know how I feel about teeth. Like, you know the bit in this oh, yeah. movie where Holland March punches through the glass and slits his oh, wrist, yeah. right? And all the blood <laughs> spurting out. Like, right, remember last week when we were doing Shallow Grave and I was like, I can deal with limbs being hacked off, but not teeth, like anything to do with teeth. So in this movie, him slitting his wrist, <laughs> totally fine with. The scene after that, Russell Crowe brushes his teeth with a dry toothbrush with no water on it. <laughs> Just a dry toothbrush, and I, I like I got those goosebumps that you get where you like you like, oh, oh. it was so awful. You know, I snapped my teeth off on my eighteenth birthday, <laughs> my front teeth, like on the curb, like American History X style. Oh fucking hell, man! Jesus. I'll tell you about it after Great. properly. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, um, did you recognise who plays uh, the corpse of Sid Shattuck? No. Fuck no! Off his face is like missing. It's Downey Jr. under there. Is it? Yeah, they no. got him on the set and Why? Oh, gave him a bit of a okay. beard. Um, the couple of things I uh, learned weren't <laughs> directly to do with this, but Warner's wanted to call Lethal Weapon Hot Shots. I okay. didn't know, and he had a big argument about that. And do you know what the Last Boy Scout was originally called? Die Hard? Die Hard. Yeah. <laughs> Die Hard. And because he's mates with Joel Silver, Joel Silver said, I'm not going to make the film, but can I buy the title off you? He's like, yeah, whatever. Brilliant. And Such like, a weird title. Like Shane Black's Die Hard eventually became the Last Boy Scout. That was the script he was working on that he eventually finished. I bet he wish he'd not given away Die Hard because, you know, in terms of putting bums on seats, Die Hard's a stronger name than the Last Boy Scout. Mm -hmm. Agreed. <laughs> um, I, hey, did you learn anything? 
Oh, apart from the empty swimming pool thing, no, I did like, no, I like one more thing. Yeah. Um. So this is something my boss said to me that his husband said to him, not as sort of addressing him, but like just the best piece of advice he ever heard in his life. If someone offers you a mint, always say yes. <laughs> but aren't they covered in urine if you're in a restaurant? I don't know. If someone's offering you oh, a mint, say yes. True. Yeah, that's from along came Polly, isn't it? Where Ben Stiller won't Stop. eat bar nuts because of the number of people that have touched them and the amount of germs on them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can believe that. Toilet germs. Um, I didn't learn much other than two of my favourite jokes in this movie are, one, look on the bright side. Nobody got hurt. People got hurt. I'm saying I think they died quickly, so I don't think they got hurt. (laughs) Great line. But the best line in this movie is, you know who else was just following orders? Adolf Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say my favourite line? Uh, marriage is buying a house for someone, someone you hate. Remember that. That's so good. <laughs> oh, are you ready for the quiz? Yeah. Let's do the quiz. All right, here's this week's quiz. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? Right. That's uh, confusing. Yeah, well, it's the theme tune to uh, the TV show Cops, uh, which uh, has an interesting uh, subheading to that piece of information. Uh, the money from the success of the TV show Cops went towards funding the legendary Gary Oldman film Tiptoes. Uh, without <laughs> Cops, we would have no Tiptoes because the creators of Cops paid for Tiptoes. Uh, right. Um, so We should do a podcast about that film. Yeah, we should. That's a great idea, Chris. Write that down. Uh, <laughs> or maybe pre-record something and we can listen to it and then see whether it works. Now, uh, this is about famous buddy cop duos. Like in the movie Bad Boys and like what we've been talking about this week, I'm going to tell you the names of the characters of these buddy cop duos and you need to tell me what movie they feature in. You're going to kick my ass. I don't know. It sounds tough. It's not. It's really not. I mean, you'll get some of them. It's like three tough ones. And the first one I think is on the slightly tougher side. But here we go. Your first buddy cop duo, Schmidt and Jenko. Oh, uh, is that 21 Jump Street? It is 21 Jump Street! Jenko, I remember Jenko. (laughs) Okay. It's good. J and K. Men in Black. Come on, V. Where are you? I was thinking of 22 Jump Street. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same as 21 Jump Street. All right, number three. Alan Gamble and Terry Hoyt. Tough one. V, you mentioned this at the start of the show. Did I? Mm. Before we'd even started recording. Oh, um... Wait a second. Let me have a look through my notes. No, no, no. It wasn't a notes thing. It was something Charlie, the... our producer, said when he was in the room. Yeah. And then, and then you said a thing while you were kneeling down, unable to alter the chair. You know, you were trying to alter the height of the chair. I said, I'm so embarrassed. <sighs> so boring. The other guys. Oh, the yeah. other guys. <laughs> yeah, right. There you Sorry. go. All right. No one. All right. Detective David Mills and Lieutenant William Somerset. Oh, I Hot do not. Fuzz. Nope. No. Fuck. You will know no, this. No, I do know this. You love this. I know. What is it? I'm not helping her, by the way. I wasn't giving. Right. She deserves it. Why didn't I? Why didn't I? Oh, my God. Seven. Yes. Seven. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> nice one. Why didn't I? Nicholas Angel and Danny Butterman. Hot fuzz. It's hot fuzz. Yeah, Shut you up. can both have one for that. <laughs> Martin Riggs and Roger Murtong. Lethal weapon. Little... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jack Cates and Reggie Hammond. Oh, is that Ride Along? No, but it is two days. 48 hours. Yay! I was going to say training day. (laughs) A a tough one here. Raymond and Gabrielle are the first names. Gabriel, sorry, whose surnames are respectively Tango and Cash. (laughs) 
Hang on. <laughs> yeah, me, you have to say it, Chris. Oh, my God, sorry. Two to go, and we are level pegging. <laughs> Unbelievably. Um, last uh, penultimate one, Ashburn and Mullins. Vicky, if you don't get this. Oh, don't say come things on, like that. Come on, I don't, Ashburn, know, I don't know what that is. Ashburn and Mullins. Who's your favourite actress in the world? Sandra Bullock. She made a body oh, movie called... She made a Miss, Miss Congeniality. Congeniality. No, the one with Melissa McCarthy. Oh, Heat, the Heat. Yes. <laughs> nice one. And finally, wait, one, two, three, four for Victoria. One, two, three, four for Chris. Oh, Whoa. shit, man. It all rests on this. It leans more towards Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. <laughs> Matthew Sykes and Sam Francisco. Sam Francisco. One of the worst names ever. Think of a foreigner to the Will Smith, Joel Edgerton movie, Bright. One of them's not human. His name's Sam Francisco. Turner and Hooch. James Kahn is in it. Oh, Alien Nation. Alien Nation, but I gave you too many clues. So it's a draw this week! I'm so pleased I won that one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, time for the verdict. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers! I want the truth! So who is our winner this week? The Nice Guys or... Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Chris, you can go first. I'm picking my favourite this week because I like the plot more, I like the jokes more, I like the characters more, I like the performances more. Uh, It is The Nice Guys because I like it more. The Nice Guys. One for The Nice Guys. Victoria. I wasn't sure, but this has made me laugh more in the room because it's funnier, so The Nice Guys. But I really wasn't sure of coming in. Yeah, um, I'm going to say I was always going to go with The Nice Guys. Having watched them again, Not, I didn't walk into these movies uh, going, I'm always going to pick The Nice Guys. I walked in with an open mind, but I don't like films that confuse me and make me feel stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Kiss Kiss Bang Bang made me feel stupid. So The Nice Guys. And I'm with you. It's too meta and too self-referential. Honestly, yeah. I've got, and it's too smug. A lot of the jokes that you found funny, I thought were too smug in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Okay. I felt worked in Nice Guys. Okay. And it's Downey Jr. He gets a bit smug. No, I don't know. Look up idiot in the dictionary. <laughs> oh, you won't. Will I find a picture of me? No, you'll find the definition of idiot, which is what you are. Mm, Great line. Very funny. Um, all right, then. So our winner this week is the Nice Guys. Congratulations. Wish we were having a sequel. Moving on to next week's show. Who's picking? It's me. <laughs> <laughs> and you seem surprised <laughs> at this information. Uh, yeah. So, uh, so I am picking uh, Vicky. Do you want comedy or sci-fi? Uh, comedy. You can have Groundhog Day. Yay! Which means, Alex, you've got Edge of Tomorrow. Brilliant. Because I couldn't watch Groundhog Day. I think I've seen that movie too many times. I would not be excited about watching Groundhog Day again. Is that a shitty joke? He he didn't realise, did he? No. He could have come there. Yeah, I did. (laughs) Now. (laughs) All right, so next week's show is Edge of Tomorrow and Groundhog Day. Uh, Do your homework and also feel free to get in touch with us um, at ClashPod is our Twitter handle and Clash... No, show at ClashPod.com. <laughs> One day I'll get it right. Show at ClashPod.com is if you wish to email us. Um, I will say this. Um, just before we go, I got a tweet uh, from a, a, a listener to the show uh, that I want to read out now. If only because it reminded me of um, something we should look at doing in the future. Uh, v, you know uh, the original title for Kiss Kiss Bang Bang was going to be L-A-P-I. Mm-hmm. Do you like that name? No. Oh, you don't? Oh, because I, I wrote down here that I thought you'd like it because it sounds a bit like R.I.P.D. <laughs> <laughs> so the tweet I got was from Danny O'Neill, we got at ClashPod, uh, that says, um, I have a question about something I heard you recently say on ClashPod. Here it goes. What's wrong with R.I.P.D.? 
What don't you like about it? I honestly can't remember. Oh, this is what I said. I honestly can't remember. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I said, I honestly can't remember. So we're going to have to do it in a future episode. Brilliant. Because I genuinely, he was like, why, why don't you like it? And I was like, I just remember hating it at the time. But I don't know why. So we need to find something to pair RIPD with. And you can't remember because it. it was so forgettable, <laughs> which is one of the problems with RIPD. Well, save it for the show. It's coming up. All right. All right. Subscribe to us, please, if you would. And rate and review us at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back in a week for Edge of Tomorrow and Groundhog Day. Bye-bye. This was a Stakhanov production. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 